my little friend ladder up here that's going to help me throughout the morning as we're talking. We're going to, you, you, you'll see what, what's going to happen. And so uh, this morning we're continuing on in the series we started two weeks ago called Taking the Next Steps. We started a new series and we were talking about giving, you know, kind of talking about tithing and, and offerings and, and giving. And so this morning we're going to continue on with that. Last week, you know, we, we talked about Father's Day. We focused on fathers and celebrated and honored our fathers. And so um, if you weren't here, happy Father's Day uh, to you. And so I hope that everyone had a wonderful time um, celebrating with, with their friends and, and family last week. And so, uh, getting back into our message, um, just a quick recap from two weeks ago before we, we even move into this morning's message. Um, first thing, uh, and I mentioned this the first week, uh, whenever a pastor talks about giving or tithing or offering, people start to have questions. Like, oh, is the church financially in trouble? No, we're not in trouble. I want to make that clear. I'm not, I'm not preaching this series because we're in we're on the verge of shutting our doors. That's not that's not the case. But I just some people think that that's the only time a pastor would talk about finances, and I want to say that's not the case. Um, the other thing I always like to say, it's not because I get more money if the church gets more. Okay? Because some people think, well, I don't know how that works. How does the pastor get paid? Is it based on the offering? No, I have a set income. And so just because an offering is bigger or, or you know, our income in the church becomes bigger does not mean that I get paid more. And that is not why I'm doing this series as well. I'm doing it because I truly believe that the scripture teaches that those who give, those that tithe, have a blessed life. And my desire as the pastor in this church is to see our families and individuals live a blessed life. And so I'm going to teach on, on giving, on tithing, because I believe that it's a clear biblical principle. It's not an awkward thing for me to talk about. For some pastors, it's awkward to talk about finances. It's not, because I think Scripture lays it out and tells us exactly what we are expected to do as believers. And so um, just kind of throw that, that caveat out there. Um, but truly, I believe that... The, the reason that we're doing this series is because I want, as a church, as families, as individuals, um, for you to have the most blessed life that you can. And a big part of that, uh, it, it, it comes from our giving, our tithing, and, and those things. So the first week, that's what I talked about. The biblical principle of tithing, that's taught, of, of giving one-tenth of what God gives us back to Him. Bringing it back into the storehouse, as it says in Malachi. Or to say, what does that mean? The storehouse is your local church. It's the local place that you worship, that you participate in. That, that is what the storehouse is. But we didn't just say, oh, God wants us to give one-tenth of what we have. We talked about how generous God truly is. Right? How God gives us everything, and he only asks us for a tenth of that back. I was just having a conversation with someone yesterday, um, and we were talking about taxes and whatnot. And I was thinking... You know, our government asks for more of our money back than God does, right? Our government asks for more than 10% back when it comes to taxes, right? Just, it just goes to show, like, our God is a generous God. And we had that illustration, right, where we had all the fruit and vegetables and the two different tables set up. And, they, you know, Bob and Joe would bring me 10 bananas. The first bunch of bananas would go on God's table. The nine bunches would go on the table that we get to keep. And we did that with all kinds of different fruit and vegetables. And all of a sudden, you had one table that just had one of each item, you know, and that was God's. And then you had this other table that was heaping over with everything that God allows us to keep. 
And it's just a visual illustration of how generous our God truly is. And so uh, this morning, we're going to kind of continue uh, looking through um, this idea of giving. And I'm going to share with you a practical um, tool for us that I think as a church we're going to start to use. And it's called the giving ladder. And I'm going to explain that throughout the morning, what the giving ladder is and, and how that tool works. But it's, it's an assessment tool for us to use uh, when it comes to, to giving. And so uh, one thing I want to mention quick too, right? We, we looked at Malachi chapter 3 where God, you know, he said, if you bring a tent to the storehouse, I will bless you beyond what you can even store up, right? So I will open up the floodgates of heaven and bless you so much that you won't even have room to store it. But he didn't stop there. He also said, I'm going to keep any pests or anything else from being able to destroy that which I give you. Right? Because oftentimes the things of this world we can collect and we can add things up and, and have all this stuff. But what happens? It, it falls apart, right? Animals come and chew it up or vehicles rust. You know, they lose value to them. They deteriorate. God is saying that the blessings that I bring your way, nothing will be able to destroy them. Nothing will be able to come in uh, and, and take the value away from them. And I also said, uh, I understand for someone who hasn't given before or maybe doesn't give regularly, it's tough to go from giving nothing to giving 10% of your income. Like that, that, I'm realistic in understanding that if you're used to living on 100% of your income, it's tough to all of a sudden go to living on 90% of your income. And this morning, that's what we're going to kind of talk about, is it's all about taking that next step in your faith and your journey with God and in, in your, your giving journey, taking that next step. And so even though sometimes we think at 100%, I can barely make ends meet, how am I supposed to with 90%? Oftentimes, that blessing that God brings is that 10% and beyond what it is if you kept it on your own. So 100% of your own income can oftentimes fail in comparison to what it is that God is going to bless you with. But I also talk about how that's not always financial, right? Just because, say, you make $30,000 and you give $3,000 over the course of the year, your 10%, it doesn't mean that God's going to go, oh, hey, here's a $3,000 check or a $4,000 check to replace what you gave and some more. It can look different ways. And I used the example last week or two weeks ago of how the car that I have shouldn't be working anymore, right? It shouldn't be working. But God can cause things to have a longer life than they should. He can cause things to last longer than they should. Things to be more effective than they should. There's all kinds of different ways that God's blessings come in our lives. And it's not always just financially. And I made this comment too. I said the blessed life is not necessarily the rich life. But the blessed life is the best life that you and I could ever live. So the blessed life may not be the rich life, but it's the best life that you can ever live. And so this morning, before we actually get into our message, we've got a video that I'm going to share. Shouldn't have put the ladder up here yet. Um, we've got a video that we're going to share that kind of talks about some of the different um, types of givers, um, you could say. And so the video is kind of funny, kind of comical. But it's going to relate to what we talk about today. And so, Joy, if you want to go ahead and play the video. I give to God by 
enjoying what he has given me. Okay? I mean, you really think he expects something back? Now, I know there's a lot of people at church that would not understand this line of reasoning. That's why, just to make things simple and not to cause any controversy, I like to carry what I call the little empty envelope. All right? See, when the plate gets passed, I bloop, put it in there like that. The deacon's counting the money. They only know me as the crazy empty envelope guy, but the people sitting around me, clueless. <laughs> I win, they win, God wins. No one gets hurt because no one knows. God knows. Huh? I only agreed to make this video if they promised not to tell you who I am. I mean, it's really none of your business. And it's also none of your business how much I give. I'm not gonna brag about it, okay? I mean, yeah. It's cool. I just got married and I have a kid, okay? And sure, you know, we get around, we're doing okay. But look, who I am and what I am is, it's between God and I, okay? I mean, the sacrifices I make are between me and God and my reward is in heaven. So look, don't try to figure out who I am or what I am because honestly, it's, it's none of your business. I tithe. Okay, that's a lie. I don't tithe. I want to tithe. That's a lie, too. I don't even think about it. Seriously, you think God's up there, like, with a big old checklist going, hey, you tithe, you don't tithe? I don't buy that at all. Okay, I kind of buy that. Because what do you say? Give to God what is God and give to Caesar what is Caesar's? I don't even know any Caesar's. That's a lie. No four Caesar's, even the little one. Let me ask you a question, huh? How's your mutual fund? Hey, for that matter, how's all your funds? Has, has the fund left your funds, huh? Has your door ring me taking a W-A-L-K, huh? What if I told you that I knew about an investment you could make that the return would be mind-boggling? And, 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 and it's promised, it's guaranteed. I know what you're saying, there's no guarantees. This one's guaranteed, okay? Malachi 3.10, that's what it says in the Old Testament. It says, test me, give to God, and he will give you back. It goes like this, I give this, he gives this. I give this, he gives this. I give this, <laughs> I'm right up there. He keeps giving, I can't outgive God. How crazy is that? <laughs> Do I love him? Sure, whatever. I'm just saying, if you give, he gives back. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? It works, though. How do you think I afforded that house in Tahiti? <laughs> oh, what time is it? It's tithing time. I tithe. But just not like in the form of a 10% check, per se. Let me tell you what I mean. When I go to church on a Sunday morning, they're selling donuts, I buy some. Boom, that's a tithe. When my whole Sunday school class wants donuts, and I, out of the goodness of my heart, buy a whole bunch for the Sunday school class, boom, that's another tithe. But it's not about me spending money. It's about the smile on people's faces. That, my friends, is tithe enough for me. Case in point, the church was having date nights where we could take our spouse out for an evening, and they were charging $25 for child care. Boom shakalaka time. I'll tell you what the biggest tithe was. When I spent over $100 on our meal, and my wife was grinning ear to ear, that, my friends, a tithe. I, I would like to give. I would, okay? But everything right now is just crazy. I mean, just crazy, you know? I mean, not normal crazy, really crazy, you know? And if after I paid my bills and took care of the things that I need and want, then I would, I would consider giving something, but not, now is crazy. We're, we're, we're gonna give later, we've already talked about it. I mean, down the road we'll be crazy givers, but right now it's just crazy. 
Yeah, I have money, that's a fact. But you know what? It's a hard thing between me and the Lord and the pastor because he needs to know what I'm giving now that we have this little building campaign going on, if you know what I'm saying. And pastor, I'd give a little bit more. I'd give a little something, something if you'd have that music ministry sing a couple more hymns now and then, huh? Hey, what's this? Watch this. Is that a Benjamin? I think it is. Benji likes hymns. Come on, you want it? Ah, come on, pastor, do what I say, huh? Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> oh, in my life, Lord, be glorified in me. I put money in the plate. Wait, wait, wait. Look what I have here. Oh, it doesn't interfere. Everyone can hear how I give with cheer. That everyone could be like me. Right, so I share that video um, for a couple different reasons. Um, but I think, uh, you know, we watch it, it's, it's funny, but we can all sit there and go, you know what? We've seen people, or maybe in our own lives, we fit into those categories at different times. Whether it's making excuses, or whether it, it's wanting people to see what we've given, like the last guy did, or maybe we're giving simply because we're hoping to receive. Like that guy, the investment, he said, no, I love him or whatever. But, you know, it, it was the heart behind it. He was doing it because he was going, if I give, I'll, I'll receive. You know, and so uh, I share that because uh, I think it's true. I think that, that at times we find ourselves in those situations. But also part of it is, is this morning I want to talk about the idea that, you know what? I, I think sometimes as a church we put so much pressure on individuals to say, if you can't give 10%, we don't want anything. If you can't give 10% a tithe, we don't want anything. And I want to dispel that myth this morning. That you know what? That's why I think sometimes people make excuses because they're going, I could give, I'd be okay if I gave 3%, but the church just hammers me that it has to be 10%. It has to be 10%. And if, if I feel like I can't do 10%, then, I, then I'm better off not doing anything at all. You know, and, and as I'll talk about this morning, my desire is to see that as each of us grow in our relationship with the Lord, we'll get to the point where the majority of our church is tithing, giving that 10% or giving beyond that 10%. But I understand realistically that uh, in a church on any given day, there's a number of people who don't give at all. And that's okay, especially if you're new to the church, especially if you haven't been here a while, there's no pressure. But I believe as we grow in our relationship with the Lord, part of the expectation is, is that we will begin to give to the Lord through our offering, through our tithe. And so uh, I'm going to talk about that idea this morning of saying, you know what? Sometimes it, it's tough to go from 0% to 10%. But maybe from 0% to 2%. And you know what? As the pastor, I sit here and I go, you know what? I would rather have somebody give 2% of their income than 0%, right? Because 2% is more than zero, right? Just basic math, basic idea. And then continue to grow in that area in our lives. And so this morning, we're going to look at what's called the giving ladder. And this isn't something that I came up with myself. This is something that 
other churches have used and uh, have very successfully used. And so it's something that I want to instill here at Chisholm Assembly of God because I believe it's a great practical tool. It's a great assessment tool for us as individuals, as families to go, you know what? This is where I'm at in my giving journey with the Lord. This is, this is where I'm at. And so we're going to talk through that. We're going to look at some scriptures um, that, that talk again about tithing and, and the giving of our 10%. But I believe that it's all about taking a step from one step to the next step. And I'm going to share about that throughout our message this morning. And so simply, step number one, right? Okay, so step number one. Step number one is what's called a potential giver, right? And this one's pretty straightforward. A potential giver is simply anyone that has any form of income, period, right? So anybody that has any income, no matter where it may come from, no matter what it is, is a potential giver, right? So I, I, would, I would beg to guess that includes all of us sitting here this morning, that each of us are a potential giver, right? We all have some form of income, no matter how small it may be, no matter how large the income may be, each of us have some income. Maybe it's from work, maybe it's retirement, maybe it's disability, maybe it's an inheritance that you've received, Maybe it's work comp because you were injured on the job. Maybe you're receiving unemployment at this time. But most of us have some form of income in one shape or form or another, right? And I would never ask for you to raise your hands or for a show of hands. But as I said, I think each of us fall into that category today of having some type of an income that makes us a potential giver. And I would even go as far as saying that actually in America, most of our kids and teenagers are actually even potential givers. Our kids receive allowances, a lot of our teenagers work, you know, and so uh, I think sometimes we go, well, what about our kids and, and our, our teenagers? I, I believe that if a child or a teenager has a form of income, then it's good to teach them what it means to tithe with them. As a kid growing up, we'd get 20 bucks or whatever for, for a birthday or whatever. My mom and dad would go, I get $2 of that's going to church on Sunday, right? And, and it's, it was a concept of, I didn't always want to do it. But you know what else I didn't always want to do when I was a kid? I didn't always want to brush my teeth. But it wasn't an option, right? They'd say, no, Micah, you're going to brush your teeth before you go to bed. And it was the same with, with giving. They taught us, even when we didn't want to, they'd say, Micah, this isn't actually an option. You're going to give your $2, and eventually it became a habit. Eventually it became something that, that I didn't have to be forced into doing. And that, that's, that's, not, uh, that's the wrong word, I'm not saying forced. But I began to realize that, you know what, it, it's an honor and a privilege for me to be able to give to the church out of that which I have been blessed with. And so... I want to say that our kids and our teens are very generous. Um, through their giving to, to Speed Light and BGMC, they do a wonderful job um, with that. And so that, that's the first step, right? A potential giver. So that basically includes everybody. We're all potential givers. Pretty straightforward. Step number two, an emerging giver. An emerging giver. That's the second step on the giving ladder. So an emerging giver is someone who will give occasionally and maybe without any particular rhyme or reason, right? They just, maybe someone who says, oh, today I came to church and I've got a $20 bill in my pocket. 
okay, I'll drop that in the offering. You know, or maybe there's a special offering that comes through. Like next week, we've got a missionary, and they go, oh, I'll give towards the missionary, or I'll give towards a special project, or whatever it may be. And so they give, or maybe they give when it's convenient for them to be able to give, of going, you know what, it's, it's the end of the month, and, and things are looking pretty well. I've got an extra $100. You know, I'll drop that in the offering. Uh, and so that's, that's an emerging giver. Someone who kind of maybe gives when they think they're able to, or just kind of, with, you know, with no rhyme or reason. You know, just here's $20, here's $50, but it's not any type of like a percentage of going, oh, I give 2% or I give 10%, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, and I would say that uh, in our church today, we've got quite a few emerging givers. And I don't say that to discourage. I say it to say, you know what? It's time that there's some people in our church who are ready to take that next step to move from being an emerging giver to someone that's a consistent giver. That's our third step. A consistent giver. Right? So this is someone who gives consistently of their finances. Someone who gives on a regular basis and a given percentage. So maybe you, you say, I give 3% of my income. But it's consistent. So every month or every week, whatever it may be, you give that 3% of your income. And it's a consistent thing that you do on a regular basis. And maybe this seems like it's not a big deal from being an emerging giver to a consistent giver. But it is. It's a big deal because it's a step of faith, of, of consistency. Of saying, you know what, I'm not going to give when maybe it's just convenient. Or I'm not going to give when it just seems like, you know, I've got some money in my pocket. I'll drop it in there. It's going, you know, I, I understand that part of what I'm called to do as a believer is, is to give. And to give on a regular basis. And so you go ahead and you say, okay, I'm going to give 3% of my income. It's a show of discipline. Right? Our Christian faith is, is often about discipline. Right? It's about reading our Bible every day. It's about praying every day. It's about community and fellowship. Those are all disciplines. And giving is a discipline just like all of those other things are. They're all aspects of our Christian faith. And as I mentioned earlier, sometimes it's too big a step to go from not giving at all. Or maybe giving uh, sporadically like an emerging giver to all of a sudden going, I'm going to give 10%. Right? That, that's, a, that's a big jump. That can be tough to do at different times. And so that's where this step comes into play. Of being a consistent giver. Of saying, I'm going to give at a given level. And I'm going to continue to make progress. I'm going to continue to take the next step. And maybe you go, okay, maybe last year I gave 2% of my income. And this next year I'm going to give 5%. I'm taking another step forward. I'm increasing my offering, my tithe to the Lord. That's taking a step of progress, and it's moving in the right direction, which is what this is all about. Taking the next step, moving forward, making progress in the area of giving in our lives. Brings us to step number four. This is one that we hear about all the time. Step number four is a tithe giver. Right? So simply, step number four is a tithe giver. Someone who gives the 10% of their income to the church in a tithe, in an offering. And one thing that I want to clarify before I even move any further. When I talk about these percentages, such as giving 10% as a tithe, that's giving it in the offering to the general fund. I'm not talking about missions giving. I'm not talking about building projects. I'm not talking about giving. Like, that, that is all above and beyond the tithe that God has called us to give. Right? We're called to give to the church, to the storehouse, our tithe. And then above that, we give offerings for other things. 
And so I just want to make that moment and, and kind of clarify that this morning. When I talk about these different percentages, that's what I'm talking about. It's our giving to the general fund, to the, to the, to the local church, to do as the local church feels led to uh, by the Lord. And so uh, I would say again, we have a lot of people in this church who fit into the category of being a tithe giver. We have very, uh, a lot of very faithful, faithful givers who give of their tithe, and I just want to say uh, thank you for that. But my, my, my desire would be to see two-thirds of our church become tithe givers or above. Ultimately, 100% would be great, right? But realistically, a goal that I would love to see is to see two-thirds of our church be people who give at the level of 10% or higher. Because I, I've heard different pastors talk about it, and they say, you know what? Giving your tithe or your 10% is actually just the floor of giving. It's not the ceiling. Right? Giving 10% is just the floor of it. It's not the ceiling of what you and I have the opportunity to do. And I think that's what we're called to do. And I know the focus of this, this message this morning you know, is on our personal lives. It's on our, our family when it comes to giving. But just allow me to, to switch gears for just a minute or two. And, and kind of shift the focus to the church as a whole. Here's a question, and I, I've had people asking this before, you know, or say, how many of you in here this morning, you don't have to raise your hands, but you would love to see our church be able to add another staff member, you know, whatever that may be. Maybe you want to see us be able to bring on a kids pastor or a youth pastor or a church administrator or someone, a, a worship pastor, whatever it may be. People, you know, I've had people say, I wish we had the finances to do that. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're going, I wish we could do more community-minded events. You know, I wish we could put more stuff on for our community, that we could support more missionaries, or I wish we could, we could build onto our building, you know, expand our building. But we all know that takes what? It takes money to do those things, right? It takes money, it takes finances to do those different things. But can you just imagine with me for a moment what we could do if the majority of our church died? Right, if we sat here, and, and I don't know the numbers, but if, if I could estimate what the income of our church is as, as a whole, and what a tithe of that would be, a 10% of that, uh, we could do so much more than we are right now. Right, the income of our church would be so much higher than it currently is. And so I'm not saying that to try to, to guilt people or to pressure people into giving. I'm just saying maybe next time we think of that question of, I wish we had a youth pastor, just think to yourself, am I doing my part to see that happen? Right? Am I doing my part when it comes to finance to see that happen? You know, or it's just, just something for us to think about. Am I doing my part when it comes to financially partnering with the church. If you are, thank you. Awesome. If you're not, I want to encourage you to say, if that's something you desire to see, one of the ways we're going to see that happen is as our income increases as a church. And I'm not asking for one person to supply all the income that we would be able to hire somebody else or whatever. I'm just saying, if each of us do our part, in the whole, it'll be a lot easier than you think. It'll be a lot easier than you think for us to be able to do some of those things 
that we desire to or that we eventually would like to be able to do. All right. Thanks for letting me share that. We're going to shift gears back again. So that, that's kind of a look at our church. Now shifting back into our focus this morning of in our individual lives or our, our family lives. Doing the minimum 10% is not being generous. It's being faithful. And that might sound blunt right there. That might sound blunt. That doing the minimum, giving 10% is not faithful. Or I mean it's not generous. It's being faithful. Because that's what God's word calls us to do. It calls us to give our tithe back to the Lord. So that brings us to our fifth and final step, which is an extravagant giver. Step number five, an extravagant giver. We're on the top of our ladder at this point. So finally, here we are. An extravagant giver is a family or an individual who gives above and beyond 10% of their income. Right? So for example, a family decides that they're going to give 12% of their income. They're giving above and beyond the 10% that God calls us to in our time. Just as I said how it's, it's tough for people to jump from not giving to all of a sudden giving 10% of their income. Sometimes it's also hard for someone to become an extravagant giver who's not already a tithe giver. Right? It's hard to jump from giving 7% to giving 14%. You know, that, that's a tough jump to make. And that's why this is called the giving life. It's all about taking the next step. I'm not expecting you to jump from the floor up to step four or step five on this ladder today. What I'm hoping is that we will go, you know what? If I assess my personal walk with the Lord and where I'm at right now, and I go, you know what? Right now, I'm on step one. I'm a potential giver. I'm, I'm not giving. I'm going to decide to make a step to step number two and become an emerging giver. I'm going to start to give sporadically or here and there or, or say, you know what, I'm not giving. I'm going to go to step three and become a consistent giver. And I'm going to give 4% of my income for the rest of the year. But it's all about taking the next step. I'm not trying to get everyone to jump up to step four or to step five. My hope is that everyone will take a time to reflect, assess where they're at, spend time in prayer and ask the Lord what it is that he desires for you to give. Next, not next week, we've got a missionary guest next week, but in two weeks, that's what we're going to talk about is, what is the Lord asking you to do the rest of 2018? Right, we've got six months left of the year. What is God asking you to do when it comes to giving for the rest of the year? That, that's the challenge we're going to have in two weeks. We looked at this passage two weeks ago from 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6 and 7. It says, remember this, the farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must decide each, or each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. Right? It says here that we are to decide in our hearts what we believe we are supposed to give. Then we are to do so with joy and cheer. Not reluctantly, not in response to pressure or guilt. But we also read in the first part of this passage that generosity brings about generous results, right? The farmer who plants generously is going to get a generous crop in return. But the farmer who, who only plants a little bit is only going to get a small crop in return. Generosity brings about a generous result. 
And I want to share another quick story uh, from Acts chapter 2 uh, about the apostles in the early church right after the day of Pentecost, right? So we're going to start in, in verse 40. It says, with many other words, Peter's talking here, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession to give to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right? So as I said, this is right after the day of Pentecost, right? And, and Peter is, is preaching along with the other apostles and the 120 or so who were gathered together that day when the day of Pentecost happened. Right? It says they began to preach and 3,000 people were added that received, uh, you know, responded to the gospel message that day. And again, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, that's just the men. That's not counting the women and children even that responded that day. So then they, they ventured to guess that it's probably 5,000, 6,000 people maybe that responded to the gospel message that day. But what I love about it is they didn't stop there. That's not where they stopped. Even though they went from a group of 120 to a group of 3,000, they weren't like, oh, that's good enough. That's, we're content with that. They kept moving forward with the gospel message. It says they continued to remain together, receiving teaching from the apostles. They fellowshiped with one another. They were in unity with one another. It then goes on to talk about how they, they sold property, right? They sold their possessions, and they gave it to anyone who was in need. As they continued to meet together each day, it says they were glad. They had sincere hearts. They praised the Lord. And they enjoyed favor among all people. But here's what I want to focus on as we keep reading, right? The last part says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And you might think, what in the world does this have to do with giving? What does this have to do with tithing? It has to do with people who are generous. Which that's ultimately what it comes down to when it comes to to our willingness, our obedience, our faithfulness in tithing, it's a result of generosity in our hearts. Generosity. And the apostles in the early church, they were being generous, right? It says that, that they took their possessions, their property, and they sold what they didn't need, and they gave the money to help the poor. Right? And I'm not asking you to go out and say, I'm going to sell my property, I'm going to sell all that I have, and I'm going to give it to the poor. Because in two weeks, I'm going to talk about this too. What God asks somebody else to do is not necessarily what he's asking you to do. Right? We're going to look at the story of the rich, rich young ruler. What Jesus asked the rich young ruler to do is not what he asks everyone else to do. God is going to ask you specifically, or as a family, what it is that he desires for you to do. And so that's what the apostles were doing. And it says that each day... There were people being saved. There were numbers added daily. That's amazing. And I would love to see that same thing happen here as a result of the generosity of us as a church. 
They're saying, you know what? Our church is, is full of generosity. And as a result, as we continue to help those in need around us, that we will see people come to know the Lord each and every day. That numbers would be added. Not for our sake, not so that we can say, Chisholm Assembly of God runs at 200 people, but that God's kingdom can grow in advance. That people who were lost have been found. People who were without hope find hope. People who were without a relationship with the Lord come into relationship with the Lord. And I believe that that happens as a result of being generous people, generous believers. So in conclusion this morning, right, we've discussed the giving ladder. It's a practical tool that you and I can use to evaluate and to track our growth when it comes to giving in our lives as families, as individuals. And as I mentioned earlier, right, I'm not expecting you to go from the floor up to step four or step five just like that. What I'm desiring to see is I'd love to see people say, I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to take the next step. I'm going to go from 0% to 2%. I'm going to go from 2% to 5%. I'm going to go from 5% up to 10 Maybe you're sitting at 10 and you're going, you know what? I, I have, uh, God has placed it on my heart to say, you know what? It's time for me to go above and beyond that. God has placed it on my heart that maybe it's time for me to go from 10% to 12%, from being a tithe giver to an extravagant giver. Whatever the Lord places on your heart, I want to encourage you to be obedient and follow through with that. Because I believe that over the next six months, as you seek the Lord and hear from Him what it is that He wants you to do, I believe that if you do that, and you're going, wow, but God wants me to give 7%, I'm giving nothing right now, how am I going to do it? Give it six months. And I want to challenge you to allow the Lord to work and move in that situation and just see what might happen. Right? As we mentioned two weeks ago, this is the only time that God ever says, test me in this. When it comes to giving, he said, test me. See that if you will not give, that I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and bless you so much that it's more than you can even store or handle. So as I said, in two weeks, that's what we're going we're gonna to talk through that idea. And that answer is different for every person, what it is God's asking you to do. It's different for you than it is for me. It's different from one family to another, what it is that God is asking you to do. But here's a couple of questions I want to leave us with this morning before we wrap up in prayer. Questions of, will I be a generous giver? Will I be a generous giver? Here's two questions that fall underneath the category. One, do I believe God is wise? Because if I believe that, that God is wise, then I should listen to his teachings and follow him, right? I believe that God is who he says he is. I believe that God will do what his word says he will do. Then I should follow in that instruction. If we believe God is wise, and as a result, we will follow in his instruction. And do I trust him? Do I trust him? If I trust God and believe that he wants good things for me, then I should test him in tithing and see what happens. This is where I'm saying, pick a given time frame. And the one that I'm going to lay up for the church is six months. But maybe you're going, I'm going to try for three months. That's okay, okay. Try for three months. But pick a given time and give to the Lord and see what happens as a result. 
See what happens, right? Because if, if we don't believe God is wise and we don't trust Him, we're not going to be generous. But if we trust Him and we believe that He's wise, it will allow us to become generous givers in our lives. Father, we thank You for this morning. We thank You for Your presence. We thank You for meeting with us here. God, I pray now as we go out, God, that we would be reminded of what Your Word says. God, that we would, we would begin to think and, and chew on what was shared this morning. God, and be able to, to truly seek you and go, God, where am I at right now? What is it that you're desiring for me to do? What is that next step for me to take in my walk with you when it comes to finances and, and giving? God, I know that you will guide and direct each of them. I pray you give them the obedience and faithfulness to follow through. God, as we go out now, give us opportunities to be light. Father, to reach the lost. God, to make an impact in our communities, around the Iron Range, and around the world. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.